Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made your own horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when a shark has had enough of his kin being slaughtered and goes on the offensive? While you get Jaws the Revenge. Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Holy crap, it's one more episode till the big... Well, it's not really that big. Well, before the two-year extravagant... Well, the two-year episode's gonna be coming up in a little while. Uh, But before we even get there, we're going to talk about Jaws the Revenge. Yes, let's get it out of the way right away. This is the movie that Michael Caine decided, hey... I'm going to skip accepting an Academy Award to be in a Jaws film. Uh, I think it really was the free trip to the Bahamas, and so that way he could also get some of that sweet, sweet ex-wife poontang, if you know what I mean. But we'll get to that in uh, just a little bit. Uh, So this film actually is being brought to you guys by Phantom Dark Dave. That's at Phantom Dark Dave on Twitter. Uh, you know, when we talked on the Freddy vs. Jason podcast afterwards, uh, you know, he's always like, well, I've listened to your show and I've always liked, uh, you know, to be able to get a suggestion of mine on the show. And I was like, well, uh, I don't know what I'm doing soon. Like, I've got spaces within, like, the movies that I'm going to look at. And originally, instead of the Death Note episode that was the last one, uh... I was going to do this film, which he requested, which was Jaws the Revenge. Uh, I have not seen a Jaws movie in a really long time, and I don't remember that much about Jaws 3 or Jaws the Revenge. Uh, And when given a choice between the two, uh, I was like, Jaws the Revenge. I I don't want to touch Jaws 3 again. Um, It's just bad, and... 
like it's a bad it's bad you know uh with this uh this may or may not uh depending on how you view it fall into the category of it's so bad it's good um you know again like i've said on a couple episodes before uh this might be a film that you want to see before you listen to this review if you haven't seen it in a while now if you remember it you know somewhat decently it's not going to be that bad but there is going to be a revelation towards the end because there's actually two versions of this film uh there's like the original theatrical release and then there was more of a cable release kind of retcon version um that we discovered uh after i had saw the movie again and getting prepared to do this episode for the podcast uh you know i've been talking with dave and we came to the revelation that there are two versions uh that we've seen and i actually watched this film on netflix because if you don't know they released the entire jaws catalog as uh being able to stream on netflix instant so you can watch jaws to your heart's content but the version of jaws the revenge is different than the one that he had seen and we'll get into that as well and it really only changes the ending a little bit um i prefer the one that i saw to the one that he saw uh but the one that he saw was the one i had seen the first time because i thought something had happened and then when it didn't i was like what okay well i just kind of like oh i haven't seen this uh you know for at least 10 years so i guess that's the way that it went but no there are other versions of this film that have an alternate ending it's funny even when you look on wikipedia's uh page if you look at the plot they go with the plot of the alternative ending or what became more canon um so if you watch this because i believe you can find it out there on youtube you will find the other version the one that we're going to focus on is the one that i saw on netflix which only changes a little bit and it's really the ending of the film that changes a little bit to really to some extent so let's get right into it and let's start talking about jaws the revenge we begin this story in shark vision yes we are at the perspective of the shark going through the waters as the theme music is playing and he's coming upon the little coast town of amnity and if you remember this correctly this is the town where kind of everything came together where martin brody was the sheriff of this quaint little island town and the shark is now back well at least we're to assume that it's a shark right it could just be a camera that's like you know focusing in and they're just going to go through the water because they're going to be playing with people's minds and emotions and believing oh my god that's the goddamn shark that's ready doing why are we in fucking shark vision what is he doing he's moving branches and shit around to do something um but yeah really he's moving like branches and shit uh and we don't necessarily know why We then cut over to the widow of Martin Brody, uh, his wife Ellen, who's receiving a phone call from her son, who's down in, I guess, the Caribbean. Hello? We don't want any. Thea who? I know it's Thea Brody. How many grandkids do I have? I I know you can use the phone by yourself. You're a big girl. I'm five years old now, Grandma. I know you're five years old. Hiya, kiddo. How you doing down there in the sunshine? I'm fine, Uncle John. I went swimming today. I'm taking lessons. She already swims like a fish. Hey, Michael. Hey, bro. The fish. Check it. No, hey, you check no, it. Hello. Come on, let me talk I to you. Call. Call. <laughs> Your grandmother is a slave driver. Tell her to be nice to me. Did you get the book I sent you? Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, ask the big doctor about his job. Tough life, you Bahamian beach bum playing in the water all day. He heard that. Okay, this is a very odd family dynamic. So Ellen lives with her son and her son's fiance. And uh, her other son is down in the Caribbean for some reason. And we will learn about that in just a little bit. And they almost treat each other, well, I mean, it's kind of lovingly jabbing at each other. And it's not the weirdest family dynamic. But we also get introduced into the granddaughter of the film, who... (sighs) I have to be somewhat nice because she's a five-year-old playing this role, or maybe she's a little older. Or she possibly could be a midget, and then I can talk all the shit that I fucking want. Yes, I said midget, little person, okay? Please excuse me. But, um... She's fucking annoying the entire fucking movie. She's like the worst fucking character in this film. And we're only going to go deeper with the scenes that she's in. And honestly, there's a time and a point that, well, we'll get to it when we get there. Uh, So they're, you know, they're going to go out for the night. Uh, He needs to go into the station because the son is following in his father's footsteps as being uh, the sheriff or a deputy or whatever the fuck a type of copy is for the town. Uh, And so he's going to go out for the night, but he wants to make sure that mom leaves some beer and cookies for Santa. Oh, oh yeah, this takes place around Christmas time, so this is probably the other Christmas movie besides Gremlins and maybe Gremlins 2 uh, that you should be watching every year for Christmas, along with Die Hard. Yes, okay, I'm of that sense where Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and Jaws 4 is officially a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas. So her son goes into the station basically to finish up his work day where he's stopped, I guess, by the secretary and forced to go out and do something because somebody's worried about their cows being tipped. That bad, huh? We're out of decaf, we're out of petty cash, and we're out of requisition forms. Anything to do before I go home? That man keeps calling about his training film. I can't convince him we don't have a swap team. Good night, Polly. How many police department? Hold it! Is an old dock pile and drifting in the channel. Maybe it'll just keep on drifting till it goes away. It's stuck on a channel marker. Good night, Polly. Uh-huh. It- Hold it! Postcard's busy and has to be cleared before the fishermen come back. Where's Lenny? Out to Ben Masters' place. Cow tipping. Cow tipping? Claims kids can buy at night and tip over sleeping cows. They're not giving milk. Okay, I'll take care of it. Deputy Brody will take care of it personally. Call home, tell him I'll be late. Uh huh. Cow tipping. Oh no, not Lenny. He has to go out and do the cow tipping job. Meanwhile, we're going to send out the young Brody here out into the ocean where we know that, well, okay, we don't know, right, that there was a shark cam out there and maybe the shark was setting something up or at least he's out there in the water. Uh, so basically, he's going to go and die on Christmas Eve. That's fucking fantastic. Way to go, Jaws the Revenge. You're going to kill off one of these people on Christmas Eve? How fucked up is that? Oh, of course not. No, no, no. He's not going to get killed. We can't get that far. No, you know already this dude is fucking dead. It's called Jaws the Revenge for a reason. And it's a really fucking stupid reason. Uh, But I digress and let's continue on. So 
he goes out into the bay uh, to go and fix what's wrong with the boat. But before he does, we actually get probably the best joke in the whole film. Okay, I don't care who you are. That's fucking funny. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just the fact that he's like, I'm over here after he calls out Jesus. Okay, do I have to explain everything to you? Well, maybe I do. This is the kind of thing that I do with my podcast, right? So anyway, so he goes out into the ocean. Uh, and he comes across the buoy that's out there, and it has a giant log on it. Honestly, I expected something bigger. Like, you have to go out there, and you have to, you know, fix the whole thing because it's going to fuck up everything, and oh my god, we can't do this shit without you going out there and clearing a single fucking log off of a buoy. Like, it's not very big. It's maybe six feet long. Okay, maybe that's kind of big. Maybe it's a little shorter than that. I don't know. It looks like a fucking model in the water. Uh, and he's got to go out there and clean this out now. You know what? I think that somebody tipped off the cow tipping thing because he didn't want Lenny. He wanted fucking young Brody here. That's right. Here comes the shark, uh, which is the fakest of the fakest looking Jaws. Actually, maybe that's not right, because I think (laughs) the Jaws 3 Jaws is worse than the Jaws 4 Jaws. But somehow, he's able to, like, stealth up to Brody here while he's trying to remove the fucking log that he planted. Yes, and it really looks like the shark fucking planted the log okay like he knew what he was doing is like i know how to get this guy i am going to put this log here and then i'm gonna be the one that calls in with somehow like sharp telepathic powers and i'm gonna pretend to be the guy that needs to make sure that his cows don't get tipped over because again fuck lenny not lenny uh and then i'm gonna get my prey out here and i'm gonna jump up and bite off his arm in a very jumbled type of shot and then when brody gets back on the ship like his arm is missing but it's obvious that he's got it tucked in underneath his shirt and there's just like a little bit of like red stuff on a torn up freaking yellow jacket you know raincoat thing that he's wearing uh and he's screaming and he's yelling for help but of course the crowds out there they're singing their song their christmas carols they can't hear him from far away and uh he ends up going down with the ship and getting killed uh we cut back to the next day and we got ellen here and she's identifying the body uh and you know the guy that's with her he gives her his stuff which I don't know if that's like his uniform maybe that they pulled off of him uh or I hope they didn't pull it off of him directly like that was the extra pair that he had in his locker cuz otherwise she's getting like blood soaked shark spit stuff right and that's kind of fucked up to give a mom that just lost her son hey you remember that shark thing that like killed him well here's all his drool and your son's blood on this clothing we didn't bother to wash it for you it's still wet from the water uh here have it like, that would be very fucked up, wouldn't it? So, from here, we cut over to the next morning. Uh, and she is, you know, draught with guilt. And somehow, uh, her other son and his wife and their little girl, precious, precious little girl, 
have made it all the way back up just in time for the funeral. And it's weird because the movie technically starts off on Christmas Eve, I believe. Because, you know, they're putting out the beer and cookies for Santa. And so if this is the next day, that means they're going to have the funeral directly on fucking Christmas. Which is pretty fucked up. Unless this happens over the period of time of a couple of days. But I'm assuming if you're going to put out beer and cookies for Santa, then it's Christmas Eve. Because that's the only time that Santa's going to want a brewski and chew on some fucking sugar, right? So we see the family arrive at the house, and the little girl is just a little too excited to be there. Like, she's skipping and jumping. She's like, Grandma! Oh my god, where are you, Grandma? But everybody in the house is all, like, sad and mourning. And that's when the little girl says one of the most what-the-fuck things in the movie. We've just come from Tiffany's house. Poor girl, the doctors had to sedate her. I didn't recognize you, Thea. You're so grown up. Uncle Sean is dead, you know. Will he ever come back? We'll talk about that some more later. Okay, what the fuck? I understand she's like a little kid, okay? And she's going to have questions like that. But the parents, not the, necessarily the parents, but the older people that are there are all trying to be happy and cheery because, hey, your uncle died, but we want to make sure that you're okay. So we're going to start talking to you about some other things and using our cutesy little voice. Oh, how you doing there? You should be maybe, you know, that type of little fucking thing. No, she's not a fucking like little cat or some shit like that. But you're still going to talk to the kid and be like all nice. But then the kid goes, oh, yeah, Uncle Sean's dead. Is he going to come back from the grave like that story of Jesus? What are they going to say to the little girl? Uh, no, he's going to be eating fucking worms in the ground. Or, you know, maybe if he rests for seven days, he's going to pop out of the cave that we're going to put him in later on. No, it's just like, what the fuck? Why does that girl have to say that? And then one of the other person says, oh, are you hungry? I'm going to make you a funny bone sandwich. What the fuck is a funny bone sandwich? And does it come with chips or does it come with fries? Or if you say chips, and they mean the English version of chips, then it's fries, right? I mean, what do you? What would you serve with a funny bone sandwich? And don't you fucking say potato salad, because you don't fucking serve potato salad with a goddamn sandwich. It's either fries or chips, one or the other. That's it. So, her, I guess, older son. Uh, it's not really established whether or not he is. It's more of my assumption just because the other guy is living at home with mom. Uh, and she also happens to live, I guess, with his fiance, as I've said earlier. Uh, so I assume that that means that's the older one because she's kind of coddling and babying him, right? Um, where this guy, he's got his kid already. So uh, that, I guess, makes him the older son. Plus, he has a beard and his brother didn't have a beard. Uh, and he goes outside to comfort his mom, but she says something very odd as well. It came for him. What? It waited all this time and it came for him. Are you gonna, like, elaborate on that a little more? I mean, seriously, all you said, it came for him. What came for him? Uh, You're talking about the fucking shark that, like, ate him? It came for him? So, which shark is this? Because how many sharks have we killed? Like, this is the last of the lineage of the Jaws, like, family of sharks. So, this is, you know, if this were, like, I don't know, 
Game of Thrones, you would have, you know, the Stark shark would be the first one. He got betrayed and killed by Brody. Uh, maybe he was actually not the Stark shark, but the Mad King shark. And Brody's like Jamie Lannister and killed the Mad King and then killed another one in the second one. And in the third one, I don't think he was a part of it, if I can remember that correctly. Uh, and But there was still a third shark killed in like an amusement park, like SeaWorld type of thing. Maybe he somehow owned the SeaWorld and we just didn't know it. So he's been going after the Brody clan for a while, but uh, according to this next scene, Brody has uh, already died, and not necessarily from the shark. I want you to get out of the water. What? I want you to give up that terrible job. Come on, Mom, you can't be serious. Damn right, I'm serious. I'm just getting started. We just got our first grant last... I don't want you anywhere near the water. Mom... You're upset. Come on, just come on and sit down. We'll, we'll get there. I don't it's want all right. anyone in my family anywhere near the water. Never again. Never. Hey, come on. I can't believe that voodoo. Sharks don't commit murder. They don't pick out a person. It picked out it... Sean. It killed your father. Dad died from a heart attack. He died from fear. The fear of it killed him. Mom, 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 mom. Listen, listen to me. There's never been a great white where we live. Ever. It's one water. They don't like it. It's, it's, your brother's it's dead. Shallow. Your father's dead. So am I to assume that the shark is playing the long con here? Like, okay, um, I couldn't exactly kill your father, but he died from the fear of me. Yeah. And so since I wasn't able to get here in time for him to get, I got, I got the youngest one. Yeah. Now I'm going to come after you. Why does the shark suddenly like start talking like Macho Man Randy said, Ooh, yeah, I'm coming after you. Actually, it's really more like a pro wrestler, right? He's talking to Mean Gene right now. We got the shark in the corner, and he's like, Yeah, and, and Hulkster, I'm going to come after you first, but you're going to have a heart attack, because after you have this heart attack, then I'm going to go, and I'm going to come after your son. Yeah, and then I'm going to come after your other lineage. I'm going to come after your other son, and then maybe your wife, and then maybe I'll kill some other random people while I'm at it. Ooh, yeah! And then Mean Gene, he's sitting back and he's like, that's the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard. You're a fucking shark. Sharks don't go after fucking people. Like, seriously, what fucking animal gets revenge? I can understand that maybe you kick a dog one day and, you know, you know one of those like little Pomeranian pieces of shit and... It goes flying, and it remembers that you kicked it, and the next time you walk by, it goes like, Hey, I remembered you kicked me, and it bites me in the leg. But you haven't done anything to this shark. Like, he remembers, like, was he, like, shark baby back in the day? And, you know, he was watching his dad from the distance. He's like, yeah, go, dad. Go kill those people up in the water. Uh, It'll be great, dad. We need the food. And then, you know, Brody's like, oh, you son of a bitch, die. And he shoots him. And he watches his dad's, like, face blow up. And then, you know, he's got his other shark brothers. But he's too young, right? So he's just watching, and his other shark brothers are like, we yeah, we're gonna go get revenge now. And for some reason, the other shark brother talks like Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And like he goes after him, then he gets killed. And then the next shark goes after him, and he gets killed. And he's like, "I'm the last of the Jaws clan. I will get revenge for everybody." And so then he goes out and gets fucking revenge. What the fuck? We're like fucking. I don't know. Fifteen minutes into this movie, and already. This makes no sense. 
but honestly, it's like the best thing ever. The fact that the shark is actually going after these people, uh, and Ellen is the only one that fucking knows and fucking gets it, right? Like, honestly, she's spot fucking on. The shark, like, planted the thing to kill the sun, and I guess maybe he's been, like, roaming around and, like, showing up and jump-scaring uh, Brody in random places, and that's why he had the heart attack. Like, showed up behind him with a Pennywise mask on, and he's like, we all float down here, and Brody's like, oh my god, it's a fucking clown shark! Oh! And then he dies. Uh, and there's no, you know, child gangbang to save him, uh, so we have to move on from that point and keep going with the film. Uh, and uh, so... Michael goes outside uh, and talks with his wife, who, again, honestly, is a pretty fucking useless character, and we'll talk about her a little later on. Uh, but they talk, and then he's just like, yeah, he's remembering his brother. And then he runs off, and he runs off in the most awkward way fucking possible. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, if you're going to run in a film, maybe that's when they like hire you as an actor. They're like... You know, we want somebody to run, but we don't want them to run like Monty Python type of running. We want them to run, you know, like a sprinter. And he's like, uh, I can't really give you sprinter, but I can definitely not run like a Monty Python character. And they're like, okay, we'll let you do it. And then he does it, and he looks fucking ridiculous. While he's running away from his troubles, towards the end, we fade out into the funeral scene. Now, I'm going to play the whole funeral scene because I want you to listen how ridiculous, like, the sermon is. And we'll talk about it when we get back. To everything, there is a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. And a time to from embracing. Okay, the big ones there uh, with the speech, and honestly, some of this stuff is okay. It's, it's basically giving you kind of like the yin and yang. You know, there's a time to be scared, and there's a time to love. There's a time to live, and then there's going to be a time to die. There's a time to kill. What the fuck? How is that a positive thing? When is there a time to kill? I've never had a time to kill. You know, unless you're like Matthew McConaughey trying to save Samuel Jackson's life with Sandra Bullock. Then there's a time to kill. But even then, isn't that looked down upon? Isn't that one of the commandments? Like, thou shalt not kill? But this guy's like saying, yeah, you know, there is a time to kill fuckers, right? You know, when they fucking steal the last sandwich from the fucking vending machine at work... That's the time to kill somebody. You're going to have to shank a bitch. You know, you you just need to go out there and you have to do it. And then the other one is time to cast stones. 
isn't that also something that's against the teachings of the Bible? I mean, I'm no religious man, but I thought you're not supposed to cast stones at people, right? Isn't the saying, he who throweth the first stone uh, receives some bullshit? (laughs) I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just crazy that, like... I understand they're just trying to create the, like I said, the yin and yang of it, but some of them just don't make any fucking sense. So, we go over to the next morning. Uh, Well, afternoon or whatever. I don't know. It looks like they're all kind of happy after the funeral is done. And they're all kind of jokingly coming out of a shop somewhere. Or maybe they've had dinner or breakfast or whenever they fucking buried their, you know, son slash brother. And, of course, Michael comes up with the idea, hey... Mom, why don't you come with us to the Caribbean? Oh, you're gonna spoil her? That's what families are for. <laughs> why don't you come down to the island with us? I, I can't do that. Come on, come on, Mom. No, Get out of no, this cold. No. Time with yes! <laughs> come here, you. <laughs> Wanna know what I think? I think it's a wonderful idea. Yes! Come on, Ma, at least consider it. I mean, you should get away. You shouldn't be alone now. Yes! Hey! <laughs> if we hurry, we can catch the 4.30 ferry. Today? Today. No, I, no, I can't. Yes, you can. So she does go with him after all, and they get on the ferry. She freaks out. But, of course, you know, the son, he's trying to, you know, still ease into things because, you know, come to the island. There are no sharks. Why does that sound like that could be like some type of Caribbean? Come to the island, there are no sharks. Except for the one that's chasing your family. He's gonna come down there and get his revenge. But maybe not because this is a movie. Okay, maybe it's not the best island song. But I'm trying to cool your hot heart with a warm island song. Or is this supposed to be... Cool with a cold island? I never fucking remember which one it's supposed to be. From here, the film transitions over from the ferry boat that they're taking to the airplane, where they start making fun of the fact that, I don't know, there's some stupid fucking joke about, like, his mom says, uh, you know, God said don't do parachute unless it comes the free tickets. Like, it's really fucking dumb. Originally, I was going to play it, but I was like, uh, it's not worth it. Uh, and this is also where we get to meet Michael Kine. Who plays Hoagie? I don't get the fucking name. I don't know why they're calling him Hoagie. Maybe he likes sandwiches. Who the fuck knows? Nobody knows. That's the point of his character. He's just another guy to be a part of the damn scene. And to be something towards the end that helps save the day. He also does the smart thing of allowing the little girl to take over flying the goddamn plane. Because she says... Oh, well, my dad, he lets me, you know, when he drives the car, lets me sit in his lap and use the steering wheel. And Michael Caine's like, yeah, that's just like being in the fucking air. Let's go ahead and let the little girl steer the plane and, like, nosedive us into the ocean. Which she kind of does, but, you know, he turns around and it's obvious that he has an honest thing for Ellen right now uh, and wants to really fucking bone her bad. It's like... Hey, yeah, you can fly the plane, little girl, and then later I'm going to go fuck your grandma. How do you like that? (laughs) That's Michael Caine's character for you. From here, we get a little serenade uh, of a Christmas song from the driver of these people to, I guess, Michael's 
place wherever he's staying on the island. See, he's actually doing research and he's got a grant down there. And we're going to get introduced uh, to a couple of characters in a bit. Uh, one that you will definitely remember. But now I'm a little confused. I thought that the first part of the movie took place on Christmas Eve because they're going to leave out beer and cookies for Santa. Again, that only happens on Christmas Eve. And then I'm like, oh, this totally sucks because they're burying him on Christmas Day. But now we're down in the Caribbean where it's really nice, but they're singing Christmas carols. So is Christmas coming up? I, I really don't know. But they do arrive at the house. And then the little girl, she gives Grandma a scare because she wants to play on the rope swing out over the ocean. Your room's in here. Grandma, watch me! Grandma! Thea, get down from there! Grandma, watch me! Get down from there! Mommy, watch me! No, it's too dangerous. Don't do that. Grandma, watch me! Come on, sweetheart. Well, just because the other kids are doesn't mean you can, you little fucking bitch. I mean, okay. Again, I hate this character so much. She's so annoying. She doesn't do anything, and she talking and fight. And I understand she's like five years old, but she fucking rains on my nerves. It's so hard to even listen to her in this fucking thing doing this audio at the same time uh so you know helen she does apologize she's like oh i guess i'm being a grandma and i'm like yeah you are being a grandma because you are a fucking grandma right you you really shouldn't be anything else you're gonna be overprotective and you're also worried that a shark is hunting down your family so you're a crazy grandma uh michael decides that he's gonna go ahead and take over his mom and show his wife's work uh to her and she that is the shittiest fucking welding art I've ever seen. I mean, it kind of looks like a shark. There's supposedly a little display of what it's going to look like in the end. But it really looks like it's kind of finished, to be honest with you. I don't know. If that's what my wife was doing, I'd, you know... Uh, yeah, it looks great, honey. When are you going to get a real job? Huh? Huh? Anyway, so from here we go out onto the ocean. Well, we actually go into the ocean and we see what Michael actually does for his job. And we get to meet, yes, one of the stars of this film. And not more of Michael Caine. But we get to meet MVP himself, Mario Van Peebles, doing his most awesome Jamaican Caribbean accent ever. Michael, what the hell are you doing down there? Jake, stop busting my chops. Listen, you remember what they look like? They hard on the outside, chewy on the inside. Sometimes they come with a little grind attached to them. Move your ass, man! Ah, bingo. So Michael is down the ocean and he's basically tagging, well, what MVP either calls cocks or conks. Uh, with the stupid accent that he's doing, it sounds like he's saying cocks half of the time. So he's down there, like, tagging sea penises uh, and then putting them back in the ocean. And, of course, 
you know, MVP, he wants a little more to life than what he actually has. And they both got the grant to do this type of research, and it doesn't seem to be going well for either of them. Cut from here, we go back into Michael's home, where they're opening up presents, I guess. Uh, and we get to see Jake, MVP, uh, and his wife. And the conversation, again, stirs a little weird to where the little girl brings up something that makes everybody go quiet. This guy was always getting into some sort of mystery. I don't got no doubt about that, mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> was Uncle Sean ever bad? Did you ever spank him? So that little shit really knows how to, like, kill the mood. Oh, did you ever spank my dead uncle? Hey, I'm going to remind you that my uncle's dead, your son is dead, and his brother's dead. Uh, i constantly referencing him every time I get the chance to. Because maybe one day he'll come back. I get it. She's a kid. She doesn't know better. But why do we need to keep doing this? It just creates more stuff. Also... There is something about the two wives in this film. We we see MVP's wife, and we also get to see Michael's wife again. And it seems like every time they're talking about fucking sex in some way, shape, or form. They're never in a scene where they're not talking about getting laid or having sex until the end of the movie. It really makes no fucking sense to me. And that's why I say that his wife is a useless fucking character. Because this is the only thing she knows how to do. Shitty art and fuck. That is it. That is all she talks about. Grandma then goes outside because she's very, very upset with the thought of everything. And she tries again to get Michael to leave his job. I want you to change your work. Come on, Mom, please don't start that again. You could teach, you could write. I'm not going to quit now. (laughs) You're all I have left. I don't want you working in the water. Mom, what I do is perfectly safe. At the moment, we're uh, collecting big snails. Jake and I are scientists, you know, we're almost PhDs, we know what we're doing, there's there's nothing to worry about. So of course after he says that, we get to have a quick shot of the fake ass Jaws, man, I know the Jaws from Jaws 3D is pretty terrible, but this one's not very good as well. It looks like they literally put a piece of cloth over a lot of it. And in one scene, I swear to God, I saw staples on the goddamn fin. Like, you can see it, and he's really torn up in the face like he's been attacked before. But what did he get attacked by? Like, did he miraculously survive from one of the other ones? Was it not one of the other three fucking sharks that got killed? Especially the first one that got his fucking head blown off? I believe that the second one was electrocuted, and the third one, I think he got fucking blown up too by, like, a grenade or some fucking shit like that. So there's no way that this shark should have any type of fucking, like scarring or anything like that because none of the other fucking sharks survived the film (sighs) but i digress so we now go to the beach from there the little short scene and we see that grandma and the, the little bitch i mean the little girl there they're playing in the sand and she gets distracted because her like shark scent starts going fucking off and of course the little girl <laughs> got to be a total bitch to grandma 
nothing. Oh, we better get this done before the tide comes in. It's not nice to be evasive. My mother says that to my father all the time. Well, your mother is as big of a bitch as you are, okay? I'm sorry. I just don't like that character at all. And, you know, for the mom to teach her little daughter those types of things or say those little things, it's not very cool, to be honest with you. Hoagie then shows up because he's still trying to get some of that sweet, sweet Helen Poon. And we cut back over onto the ship with Jake and Michael talking about how, well, it's truly Michael that doesn't like the situation that they're in. He seems like he's kind of bored. He wish he was doing more. They jab each other back and forth. Some guy constantly is drumming in the fucking background the entire fucking scene. And... MVP goes into a little more of what he really wants out of all of this. I'm getting tired of all this paradise shit. It's getting on my last and only nerve, man. William. What? Just look at your boy. What about me? Man, you're a mental midget and you're still reading all day. Get off mediocrity with fattening. You'd all be whales. And we knock off that stupid drumming. Not hard, boy. Watch it. Watch boy, it. Boy, look at you, man. Get black and tickling sunshine. What's wrong with you anyway, Pop? You think because you, you've been to university now, you're smart? Watch uh, it, buddy. Listen to you. You'd like to tough jump you up and keep it up. Oh, boo-hoo. You're stuck in the fucking Caribbean islands where it's fucking beautiful. I bet you that Grant, even though they say that Grant really isn't going to last him any longer, but honestly, it's going to last you for quite a long time down there, depending on who gave you the Grant. I mean, if it was just the crazy guy from the island that did it and said, oh, I think it's very well if you go after those cock shells and, you know, you bag them and tag them and I will pay you lots of money. And they're like, okay, we'll take it from you, Mr. Crazy Trash Can Man. And then it turns out, eh, it's not worth a whole lot. It's more like, oh, you got a grant for a hundred bucks, even though that's going to last you a little while. I... But look where you are. It's beautiful out there. How could you not like being there? I guess everybody gets tired of something, no matter how beautiful or how magical it actually is. We also cut back over the shore, and we see that Hoagie is still talking to good old Ellen over there. And I want to apologize if I've said Helen or Ellen, because sometimes when they say Ellen, especially Michael Caine, it sounds like he says Helen a lot, and I kind of got that stuck in my head. So... Uh, Ellen there is talking with uh, Hoagie and she starts kind of going to a crazy theory about how the shark is actually chasing after her. I don't know why I've told you all of this. I hardly know you. Sometimes talking to a stranger is easier. I can't explain it. It's just something I feel. I always listen to my feelings. I think I'm going crazy. Nightmares. Maybe it was an accident. It's no accident. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that maybe there are other possibilities. When it killed Sean, I knew with absolute certainty it had come for him. I knew that. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. So she's got the shark shinning, I guess. She knows exactly that it's after her, which. Honestly, it really is, uh, and that it's going to be soon. But then she also keeps constantly changing gears. Like She'll be like, 
oh yeah, this is uh, so weird, and I just need to whatever. Then it's like, oh hey, how much does it cost to fly in your magical flying machine of yours? And of course, he decides that hey, maybe I'll take her away to my private sex dungeon. We'll totally get it on there uh, because you know I want to fuck the shark thoughts out of her brains. Uh, he does take her on the plane. They fly off into an island. He tries to scare her by, uh, you know, doing a a nosedive and then pulling out at the last possible minute, like he's going to do later that night. Uh, and we cut back over to Jake and Michael, and this time it's Jake in the water with the little underwater craft. He's busy working on stuff when all of a sudden, Sharky J Sharky shows up. And, I don't know, Jaws, Jay Sharky, what the fuck would you give him the name? Because the first one is obviously Jaws, and then, I'm not going to call it Jaws 2 and Jaws 3, and this is Jaws 4. So, Jossy McJossy face here, he goes after uh, not Jake, which they're pretty much all surprised about, but he does attack the boat trying to get at Michael. Uh, Michael's able to come back. There's a weird bit of blood in the water. And then we cut over... Why is there blood in the water? Okay, sorry I had to stop this for a sec, but... I don't understand why there's blood in the water if he hasn't fucking killed anything. Or he hasn't bitten anybody's leg off. Or he didn't kill Jake from State Farm in the water. Or, or any of that type of bullshit. He just... Maybe he cut his gums, and that's why he had to fucking stop. Like, he couldn't destroy the whole fucking boat, because he lost a tooth, and he's like, Oh, my tooth! I need to go away! Like that one shark from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. You know the one I'm talking about, that kind of sounded like one of the Three Stooges with his... You know, he's like that shark, right? When he's attacking, he's fearsome, but he loses something like a tooth, and he becomes a whiny fucking bitch shark. Uh, And so he gets away... And we cut back over into the island, and we see that, you know, Ellen, she still isn't quite herself, uh, and she's kind of pretending to be happy, which Hoagie catches on to, and she tries to fake it while there's music and dancing going around them, and he tries to reassure her that, hey, there are other sharks in the ocean. Can't keep doing this. Can you promise me a drink? Sharks come and go, Ellen. People have got nothing to do with it. A drink with an umbrella in it. Ellen, give it up. Give it a kick in the ass. Get on with your life. So, sharks come and go, and the death of your son lasts forever. That should have been the moral of the story, because truly it doesn't. It's really about getting revenge on the family that's killed your line of brothers and sisters, or where the fuck they are. Back over on the boat, uh, Michael and Jake are talking. Jake's really excited. He wants to actually study this shark, because it's the first shark that's ever come to the Caribbean. And he's so excited, but Michael wants to make sure that Jake doesn't say anything to his mom. Right next to Michael, the plastic thing went right past me, so... Should have gone for you, Jake. It was right over you. Why did it come up? What's the hell of doing in World War anyway, man? What's the difference, man? It's here! It's only a shark, a great big beautiful shark. You two are making it as a it's not. And it's ours. Don't say anything to anyone, man. Fishermen find out they're going to try to kill it first thing you know, huh? Michael, we got us a great white. Now we're going to do some real research, boy. Do me a favor, will you? Don't, don't say anything about this to my mom. 
Hey, man, I didn't mean to, you know, flap my lips, eh? So we go back this time to the night, and Mom still hasn't come quite home yet, and she's coming home drunk with Mr. Uh, Hoagie over here. And, of course, that was the whole thing that he was trying to do. He was trying to get her nice and drunk so he could take Grandma to Pound Town. Meanwhile, we cut back in, and Michael and his wife are talking. He's like, hey, she's finally home, and she was hanging out with Hoagie. And then the wife is like, oh, hey, at this moment, because I'm not a character that's really worth anything in this movie, how about we have sex? And wouldn't that be kind of awkward to be like, boning your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend while your mom is outside flirting with somebody after your dad's been dead for we really don't know how long sometime after jaws 3 uh but before this film and maybe it's been a couple years uh let's say it's been a year and it's time for mom to get on that hobby horse once again and ride like the wind uh but while your mom is outside flirting with somebody would you really want to bone your girl or your guy i don't think i could do it you know it's one thing to like say sneakily do it in your house when your parents are in their next room but you don't know that they're doing anything your dad or your mom's not dead or hasn't left and it's not a girlfriend that he's just brought home or a boyfriend that she's just bringing home or the one you know the person's gonna turn to the one night stand and meanwhile you're thinking yeah she's home she's flirting with this guy but i really gotta get my dick wet and i gotta make sure this happens right now no i would just been like what the hell's wrong with you? Why do you want to have sex right now when she's out there? I'm worried about her, you know, because I'm protective of her. It's, you know, not right for her to start fucking somebody again right away. So we get kind of, I wouldn't say really an awkward sex scene or a sex scene at all. We just get kind of weirdness that's going on here. And we transition to the next day. And I guess it's New Year's now. Uh, I mean, because we had Christmas before while I was here on the island, I guess, or they just decided to open presents, but now it's New Year's and everybody's celebrating at the local casino. We see Hoagie at the craps table, and he wants Ellen to blow on the dice, and then you know, you or I think it was actually to throw them, and you never, ever... Like, if somebody asks you to either blow on dice or to throw dice, you never decline ever 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 you just fucking do it especially if you're of the opposite sex because automatically if movies have not taught me anything okay if this is the only thing that they could teach you and they could teach me you do it because you won't get a snake eyes and what happens she denies him so he gets denied all his goddamn money if i was hoagie i would have been like look you didn't even fuck me last night and now you just lost me a ton of money what the fuck am i supposed to be doing Like, just blow the dice or just throw the dice for God's sakes. So after Ellen has fucked over poor Hoagie of all his winnings, we go over into like a bar area where they're celebrating the new year and possibly somebody's birthday. I, again, I don't know what time frame this fucking movie takes in, but now Jake's wife starts talking about sex stuff and then, again, fucking... Mike's wife, Michael's wife, I should say, starts talking about sex stuff, and I'm just like, again, what the fuck? Why the hell is this even happening with this scene? Uh, Hoagie's out there on the dance floor cutting a rug with Ellen, and then Michael goes out on there to, you know, have a dance with his mom, 
And, of course, she tries to, I don't know, I guess reason with him that everything's kind of okay. Uh, and he does seem a little overprotective. Michael, stop pouting. You look like you did when you were six and didn't get something you wanted. I like him. I enjoy his company. Yeah. I don't like him chasing around after you. I don't, I don't trust him. He's not chasing. I'm not running. You are being ridiculous. Look, I've been a pain in the ass, and I'm sorry. I'm not going to bother you anymore about your work. You're not a pain in the Come ass. Come on, let me finish. I mean, I've been rehearsing this all day. <laughs> your brother's death almost killed me. I don't know. I'm, I'll never get over it, but I refuse to let myself be run by an obsession. I can't keep on believing it was intention. I finally figured it out. Good. That's it? Good. I just break out the champagne. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Come on. Show your mother what a good dancer you are. So I'm totally over the fact that your brother has died. I'm getting over the fact of the shark thing, and I'm getting ready to bone somebody for the first time in a long fucking time. And I should totally, and you should totally be okay with everything that's fucking going on right now. That's basically what I got out of this. This whole thing. I know your dad died. I know your brother's dead. I'm totally over it. And, you know, it almost killed me, but I found my happy place. And it happens to be in the arms of Hoagie. So we cut over to the next morning again. And now uh, it seems that Jake has made this like shark transmitter device. Uh, and it's there's a weird like echo in this scene that kind of bothered me. And I think it's just part of the sound design. There's also something that's kind of odd with the film, I guess I should mention here, uh, at least while watching on Netflix and even when I went back, it seems like the audio's unsynced in a lot, or a lot of this is fucking just 80 yard, and they didn't quite sync it up back right. Um, we cut back from the fact that he's made this shark echo thing uh, back home to a completely fucking random scene where... What else do you think happens here? Well, well, it's actually weird because there's an argument that's not really an argument that's about taking out the trash. And then he starts, like, turning on to her. And she's like, no, I gotta finish my thing. And points the blowtorch at him. And he's like, we need to have, like, sex right here, right fucking now. Uh, and she wants to close the door. It's really just a fucking filler fucking scene what the hell is this bullshit doing in my shark movie i actually thought that this was about a shark getting revenge instead it's about petty fucking relationships and a character constantly talking about sex and having sex and then the mom wanting to have sex and making a new relationship and getting over the fact that her son's dead and every once in a while we see a glimpse of a fucking shark i want more revenge come on these parts in the movie just make everything drag. What purpose does it serve here? Why does it have to be in this movie at all? Is it really about character development? Or is it about something else? Is it truly just fucking filler? And then again, it's all about the wife fucking either talking about sex or wanting to have sex. Uh, we go back onto the boat and now they're trying to chum the water to get the shark to come out there. 
You see, Jake, he's going to hang off the edge of the boat while being tied to a rope that uh, Michael is going to hold on to. And then he's going to stab the shit out of the shark to make sure that he puts his little shark transmitter tracker thing here. Which can also uh, register the heartbeat of the shark. So it's kind of neat when he actually does stab it, they get the bump, 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 bump. Uh, and they're able to follow the shark anywhere with it's within range of their transmitter. So, of course, the chumming does work. He is able to stab the shark. He The shark does get away. Uh, Jake does not fall into the water and get devoured by the shark at this moment. We go back now onto the beach, and we see Hoagie and Ellen having some type of bonding thing going on to where he kisses her it takes a really fucking long time it's again feels just like another fucking like filler scene you know uh basically he's like i got a boner in my pants so what are we gonna do about this and she's like i got a boner too but i really don't want to go through with this type of stuff oh okay let's just kiss and her son must have some type of like sixth sense because we go back out to the ocean and he's busy talking to Jake about Hoagie who wants to get with his mom and he needs more information about him. How long have you known Hoagie? What? How long have you known Hoagie? What the hell's Hoagie got to do with this? How long? I don't know, Michael, since he got here. Will you bring it to Starbucks? get here? Who? Hoagie. Christ, man. One day he was just here, that's all. What do you know about him? He's after my mother. <laughs> What's so funny about that? You think he's not good enough for your mother, eh? Well, I agree. If it's you with my mother, I'd pack up and send her home right now. Bring her back. We're going in the wrong direction. I mean, you know, some of these pots are flying drugs down here. They're always... He's always going off somewhere. You don't know where he's going. Now bring your boat now. I am. Now that beating that you hear there, that's that monitor that was created by Jake. And he is more worried about getting the shark. Meanwhile, Michael is more worried about Hoagie and what he's possibly going to be doing to his mother. So from here, we go back over to Ellen, and she's back at Michael's residence, and she's talking to his wife. And you can only guess what she's talking about. Oh, yeah. All he did was kiss me. Well, that's a beginning. A beginning of what? To whatever happens next. Oh. <laughs> I used to think that I'd be able to handle these situations once I was grown up, but... I don't even know if he's serious. Uh, give it some time, Ellen, and see what happens. Well, part of me wanted to go off with him. I couldn't. I don't know why he wants me. Maybe he's got good taste. Yeah, I don't think he spent much time with a woman like you. I don't know what he thinks. I don't know what I think. I don't know why we're even talking about this. This is so silly. I mean, I feel too old to be in this thing. I hope not. I mean, I'm counting on a long, happy sex life. (laughs) It's a weird, awkward conversation that she has with his mom. I mean... She basically is like, because the mom's all giddy and stuff because she got a kiss from Hoagie. Okay, I get it. That's not too bad. That's not too terrible, you know. And she needs somebody to talk to about it because she doesn't really get to talk about those things. Who is she going to talk to about it back home? She was going to talk to about it with her, like, son when he was alive. Oh, my God. I got kissed today. I cannot wait 
until we can go further than that. But you talk to your daughter-in-law about it. I guess it's girl talk in the area that you're at. But then your daughter-in-law's like, yeah, I hope to have a very, very long sex life. You just told your mother-in-law that you hope that you and her son can fuck forever. That you can fuck for as long as you guys can fuck. Oh my god. And the mom is just like, hey, that's totally cool because I'm totally smiling in this situation. Not, you know, that might be inappropriate to talk with your mother-in-law about, you know, fucking her son. I mean, I know that you guys have because you guys got a little fucking devil child over here. uh, And... There's only one way to get that unless he took a turkey baster and impregnated you that way. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case because you guys fucking talk about sex and boning all the fucking time. So <sighs> it's just weird. Like, would you be okay with that? Like, to talk to your mother in law uh, about either her daughter or her son? Or, you know, I guess you'd have to reverse it, right? If you're a woman listening to this, you would be talking to your mother in law about her son. And if you're a dude, you would be talking to her father about, or you would, yeah, her father about his daughter, right? Uh, or it could be, you know, your dude talking to his dad about fucking his son, or a girl, uh, a lady talking about, you know, to her mother-in-law about fucking her daughter. It's weird. Or maybe how, you know, you talk to the dealership about how you're fucking that Chrysler that you love so much and explaining exactly how it's done. It just is a weird and awkward conversation. I don't think I could ever have that conversation with my in-laws. Like, ever. I would never, ever go up to them and be like, yeah, I hope that I'm going to bang your daughter for the rest of our lives. They know it's happening because we're married to each other, but they don't want to think about it. Uh, It's just weird. I wouldn't mind it so much if they came to me, necessarily. Like, uh, you know, the mother-in-law dies and the father-in-law comes and he's just like, oh man, I'm really in love with this lady and stuff like that. But I wouldn't want to tell him or tell anybody's parent about how I'm banging their, you know, offspring. Just really weird. So after all that type of awkwardness that's going on here, and later that night, there's another nightmare about the goddamn shark. And this time it's with Michael, and he's really worried about maybe his mom's not that crazy, but he also, you know, because the shark kind of came after him, uh, maybe there's something kind of to everything that's going on. We cut over to, I don't know, like another time a little later where... We get this, like, little cutesy scene where that little girl, she's mimicking everything that he does, and he's, like, kind of stressed out of what's kind of going on, and he doesn't realize it, then he does, Uh, and finally, she has to go to bed, thank the Lord, we don't really get to see her again for a little while, and his mom decides that, hey, I'm gonna pull up a couple beers, we're gonna have a little chat, because I'm gonna be leaving soon. Put up our feet and shoot the breeze, or whatever it is beer drinkers do. I, uh, I gotta put together what we need for this report, huh? Well, Jake always says, don't do today what you can put off tomorrow. Yeah, Jake's got a lot of those. I'm leaving in a few days. I don't want to do that with you unhappy. I'm not unhappy. I saw you and Thea. You don't know what it did to me. You look just like your father. Do you remember when you guys used to imitate him? Mom, I, I gotta get this finished, okay? I worry about you. There's nothing to worry about. I'm your mother. It's my job. Just because you're a man doesn't mean I've retired. I've worked on my smile. It's 
It's your turn. That's better. So from here we go to the next day, and Jake and Michael did agree that they would spend some of their time hunting the shark, but also trying to finish the whole thing that they're being given the grant for. Uh, and so Michael's is down in the water, and he's trying to find some of those cockshells that are down there. And all of a sudden, who shows up? Jossy McJaw's face. And he is the slowest fucking shark that I've ever seen because Michael is able to swim away from him. Well, first he attacks the little weird boat thing that he's in there. Michael gets away. He destroys the boat. Uh, but Michael's able to run pretty well in the water. And I think sharks can swim a lot fucking faster than humans can. There's a whole thing where he goes into this underwater boat. Jazzy McJaw's face plays the Kool-Aid man in one scene and busts through the walls like, Oh, yeah! And... Then uh, Michael figures out that he can get out of the water quick by, uh, good lord, it's one of those things, basically busting his air tank and using the air propulsion from the tank that's spilling out to get faster to get onto the ship and actually get away from the shark uh, before it is way too late. I should also mention that he managed to get bitten by Jaws, he McJaws face, uh, before he was able to get out of the water. Now he's all kind of spooked, and everybody's kind of wondering what's awkward and what's going on. The following day, there's going to be a presentation where his wife's going to unveil a piece of shit artwork that she's worked so hard on, but he's trying to get back out into the ocean and actually face his fears to do his work. Michael, I can't just let you go back down. I'm scared shitless. What the hell am I supposed to do if I can't come back in that water? I'd be careful. You're supposed to do the job that Jake is doing and just let Jake go in the goddamn water. Well, they decide to go back in there and they're kind of looking for the shark, but not totally. There's an eel scare and a stupid joke, but the fact that he looks tastier than Jake does... I don't know. It, it was dumb. There's there's only one really good joke in this movie, and we already heard it way back at the beginning of the podcast. So while he's getting scared by eels, we're back onto the beach, and the big unveiling of the piece of shit artwork that his wife has created is being unveiled, and they're all talking about him. Uh, the little brat of a kid decides, I don't want to hang out with mom and see this great thing that she's unveiled that she's actually finally making some money from, or she's just, I don't know, fucking donated it to the town so she's not getting any actual money for this fucking thing. No, mommy hasn't, you know, done really much and this is her achievement and you're not going to stay there. Instead, you want to go play on the goddamn banana boat. Has anybody been on a goddamn banana boat? I never have. I've never even seen one of those things. It's basically a boat that's shaped like a banana and everybody rides on top of it while a speedboat or some other type of boat pulls it and all the kids get to have fun on top of it because, you know, it's shaped like a banana and it's like a boat. It's a banana boat, right? So they're all on top of the banana boat and they go out into the water and the mom's going to be giving her a speech. Now, I want to play the shitty speech that came before it, but... Uh, it was too long, too cut up, and there was a lot of dialogue that was kind of in the middle of it that didn't really seem like it was worth it. Well, Grandmama, she does have a sixth sense about the shark actually coming after her, or her shark shinning. And who would have guessed it? Jaws McJawsy Fakes comes out of the water and attacks the banana boat trying to go after the kid. Why did you miss Jawsy McJaws Face? 
You had her. You had her in her fucking grass. All you had to do was just bite on that little fucking foot and swallow that little bitch whole. But instead, you killed a random person and managed to somehow attack her and send her into shock. To which, when her father finally shows up, he admits that he knew the shark was around. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I should have known. Jesus. Should have known what? We were trying to keep track of it. Uh, the shark. Shark? You knew? You thought it went away. It came after me yesterday. She could have been killed. You knew? And you didn't tell us? You let your mother think Where all this. How could she? you do that? Where's my mother? Your own daughter? Where is my mother? Why didn't you tell us? Yeah, why didn't you fucking tell him that you knew the shark was there? Because you didn't want to be a bitch and ruin the whole thing that was going on with your buddy Jake, right? You thought about it too. He really didn't quite want to go after and tag the shark because all of a sudden it's like, why is there a shark around here when there was a shark that just killed my brother? But he obviously, there was something kind of rooted in the background for him of why he wanted to go after this fucking thing. Uh, he also realized that his mom is no longer there. Well, before this even happened, she grabbed his boat and she busted the fuck out in the ocean to go find the fucking shark by herself. How does she know how to drive the fucking boat, let alone find the goddamn shark? Like, you, I know she's got her shark shinning going on and maybe she can, like, a fucking radar detector boop, 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 actually find the fucking shark, but you just know how to do a boat? You know how to drive a boat? You've never done one. We've never seen you lead one in the film. But you're able to steal this one and just fucking go to town and find Jawsy McJaws face out there randomly in the fucking ocean. I mean, the water's pretty clear, so I think you'd be able to find him relatively well. But it's still a goddamn load of bullshit. MVP and Michael manage to get another boat to start going after them. Uh, he does take his friend out of his house, which is really weird because his wife is helping Michael's wife uh, console the child, and then he's going to go out there and go after her, his mom and Josie McJaw's face, which, you know, it doesn't sound like the best idea in the world. Of course, as they're using their little skimpy-ass boat to try to go out there, they run into Hoagie, who's trying to help save the day and help get him some Grandma Poon. Hoagie! Did you see our boat? I just got here. My mother took it. I hope she's a good sailor. The shark attacked me and some kids. She went after the damn thing. He's gone after it? Yeah, we gotta stop her. You going after her in that? It'll take all day in that bathtub. You got a better idea, Mon? So what could possibly be the better idea, Mon, as MVP would say? Well, they decide that they're going to use, but of course, the plane that Hoagie has to go out there and find her. I'll radio her position and the rescue boats will come and pick her up, so don't worry. She'll be fine, partner. She'll never find that bloody shark, man. We couldn't. It'll find her. What do you mean, it will find her? She said it was coming. What do you mean she said it was coming? What do you know about it? Well, she's got the idea in her head that the shark that killed Martin and Sean is following the family. Hey, he's not talking about our shark, eh? What do you do when you're not flying people? 
deliver laundry. Yes, laundry, or as it's known in South America and in Spanish, drogas. Yes, laundry. Anyway, so there's a couple things that get skimmed over. The fact of the matter that how does she know that it's going after her and that's not our shark, right? Don't really get answered in that situation. The other thing that I'm not quite sure, at least at this point in the movie, see, it's going after Martin Brody's kin, right? So everybody that's directly related to him, the, you know, Martin's killed, Sean's killed, he tried to eat the little bitch, uh, he's tried to kill Michael, but why is he trying to kill Ellen? Just because she was made family, she's not his direct kin, right? If he truly wants revenge, he wants to kill anybody that can carry on the bloodline of Martin, unless Ellen is Martin's sister. It's not really sure, or maybe she's like a second cousin, uh, twice re- you know removed, so that they can have kids and they can fuck. That's the only reason I can think of that the shark is actually going to want to go after her at the same time. So we do see her getting trailed by the shark, and as Hoagie's plane comes over, he notices that the boat is right there. Somehow he's able to detect where she's at. Uh, He relays in that, hey, at this position, you want to make sure that you bring out some rescue boats because we're going to be there. And he decides to crash the plane into the ocean. See, I thought it was like a seaplane. It could actually crash. But for some reason, instead of just being like, okay, here we go, or nosediving the plane at the giant fucking shark and jumping out at the possible last minute, no, let's just crash in the water and get everybody going. But it's okay. Hoagie, he's on it. Get out of here, I'll keep it busy. No, it's gonna come to the plane. It's attracted to the electromagnetic impulse of the metal on it. Get the bloody hell out of here! Michael! Okay, you're telling me that Josie McJaw's face is attracted to the plane because of the electromagnetic pulse of the plane? What kind of scientific bullshit is that? To be honest with you. That is pulled out of the middle of fucking nowhere. And of course, it looks like Hoagie, he has been eaten. But, of course, we're going to find out whether or not he was. And Mom seems to be very pissed that Michael came after her. Why'd you come out here? Why'd you come out here? Why'd you bring Mom. Why did you bring Mom, why, why did you take the boat? It kept Didn't coming. Did you realize what you were doing? I had to do it. There was nothing else to do. Mom, you shouldn't have done it. I tried to tell you. I tried. Hey, give me a hand here for crushing. Okay. How the hell you do that, man? It wasn't easy, believe me. Come on, come on. Come on. Oh, bloody hell. Get us started double time. The breath on that thing. You are alive. Oh, let's get out of here, Alan So, of course, the engine can't start because there's a ton of water that's in the boat. Uh, Jake has an idea of what he can do to hurt the shark. Uh, and uh, Hoagie decides to get the help of Ellen to, one, get the water out of the boat and to get the engines running. Get the bilge pump! What's going on? We need. Right, get the transfer up for the radios and get up to the CS Just do it, just do it. No, we gotta get that engine Michael, started. Michael, just do it! If that shark attacks us again, we're gonna feed that big boy a meal he won't forget. Better have something good going over there. 
got a rotten house here. There's a spare one down there somewhere. What do you want to do with this? I'm rigging the receiver. If it works, we get it inside that bastard, and then we set it off. I got it. I got it. I got it. We're rigging antenna on this. We got a slave unit that shot the hell out of it. Right. You learn it, partner. Now, from this point on, there are actually two versions of how this film ends. And what we're going to focus on is we're just going to focus on what was the U.S. theatrical release ending. This is the one that you can find on Netflix. Now, there was a U.S. like cable ending that happened uh, afterwards and was also, I think, released in some locations after they cut it because uh, some people didn't like the way this film ended the first time or at least cut in a less bloody ending uh to the film so like i said we're gonna just focus on the what i saw through netflix and what is the actual u.s theatrical cut and then when we come back from the ending of it i'm gonna explain what the other ending of the film is so from here we have poor mario van peebles And he gets to go out kind of like a bitch. See, he has rigged that thing to basically send shockwaves through uh, Mr. Jaws McJaws face here. And he has to get close to basically get him to swallow it. And he does. He's able to get it in there. But man, Jaws McJaws face has hops because he's able to jump out of the water, grab MVP, and pull him into the water, prompting... uh, Poor, poor Jake to scream at him. That's right. Poor Jake is pulled into the water. Now you do see MVP struggling, but ultimately his fate is that he is eaten or torn up by Jossie McJaws face and there's no more MVP and it makes me sad uh, because I really wish that character maybe had survived I mean he really wasn't really worth anything and it actually does give a bigger impact to the movie if he actually does die but the good thing that he did in his death will not be in vain because Jossie McJaws face swallowed his like little EMP type of thing and so uh, we have him out in the ocean and Michael, he gets his end of it, and he first turns it on, and Jaws McJaws' face makes a weird noise that you're going to hear in a second. And then he's able to do it once again, and we get that clear-cut Godzilla roar. Smile, you son of a bitch! Now, if you didn't hear that and didn't know where that was from, that's from the original Jaws, and that was when Brody shot the shark, well, shot the canister in the shark's mouth to blow up the original Jaws. And instead of blowing him up in this version, uh, he gets stabbed in the goddamn neck by the bow of the fucking ship. It just goes right through the shark, uh, and there's blood everywhere, and then you see the shark's head float to the bottom of the ocean and it's pretty spectacular and wonderful uh and then from there we show everybody uh that 
Ellen, she's going home. Uh, she's being taken back by Hoagie. They're all saying their goodbyes. Poor Jake is fucking dead. Nobody gives a shit about Jake's wife and the fact that she's not even there. And her husband sacrificed himself to make sure that the, you know, Jazzy McJaws face would not get his revenge on the rest of the Brody family, even though he should have eaten that little fucking bitch. But alas, uh, we get somewhat of a happy ending and we get our end theme and the end of jaws the revenge i want you all to come to amity this summer yeah we'll be there you make sure they come i will i'll make you grandma oh i'll get you too baby get in alan brody you'll miss your flight Okay. Yeah. Okay. When I come back, remind me to tell you about the time I took a half and down to Nairobi. And that is the U.S. theatrical ending to the film. Now, the other ending that came out... See, this this is the way that it went. In the original ending, Jake, MVP, is eaten and the shark is bloody impaled by the front of the ship. In the alternate ending, the shark is speared on the end of the boat as usual, but blows up instantly because they talk about the thing that they shut instead of it being electrical pulse, it's like a bomb, basically. And that's why you have that Brody scene of when he says, you know, he shoots the gun and then it blows up, but the shark blows up at that point. It says, the long shot from the original Jaws movie shows the headless shark drifting towards the bottom. Cut back to the surface where the three survivors are clinging to bits of the broken ship and Jake is floating around, bleeding. This version also misses out a 30-second section of shots showing the shark perspective from the boat as it follows, then dives, before reappearing uh, in the front of the boat. The original ending was seen in the U.S. theatrical release and can be seen on network television airings, while the re-edited version was shown in theaters overseas and can be seen on some cable television airings and on home video releases. So depending on which version you found, uh, when you watch the film, you may have seen Mario Van Peebles live at the end of the movie, or you may have seen him die like I did. So it's kind of up to you which version you like better. I do like the fact that he dies uh, in that in this version versus being one of the survivors kind of randomly falling or found within the ocean. So what do I give this film? Well, on the gore level, I give this film kind of like a three out of five. The impaling of the shark is pretty cool. Um, the other scene where the girl gets seen actually no it's more like a two out of five because it's just a lot of kind of blood but those are the kind of better scenes in the movie you've got some of the other ones where a guy misses the arm and you know 
it's kind of shitty. Uh, yeah, so better off being a two out of five. Uh, the crap factor of this movie. Oh, God, it is a four out of five from the way that everybody acts except for Michael Caine uh, and MVP. Honestly, they were the best actors of this movie, but that was the worst fucking like Caribbean accent, most stereotypical fucking Caribbean accent I have ever fucking heard. It doesn't need to be that high-pitched MVP. You could have done a lot better. Uh, but the way Michael acts, he's very wooden and stiff from Ellen. She doesn't really know how to convey emotion. She knows how to kind of yell to the fact that his wife is fucking useless and only talks about sex until the daughter gets injured by Jawsy McJaws face, uh, to also the Jaws <laughs> puppet. Um, it was cool when it attacked the ship and stuff. It looked fine. But when they were doing the scenes of him swimming in the water, it was definitely superimposed. Uh, you know, like I said, you could see staples on the damn shark. It, he had the scars for whatever reason. Uh, and then just the story. The fact that a shark is going out to get fucking revenge because three of his other kinsmen all got fucking killed by the same guy. And the way that he's fucking piecing things together. He's fucking setting traps for people. He manages to travel all the way down to the Caribbean and knows exactly where these people are. I mean, he's got his own, like, human shinin, right? And it's only for the Brody clan. And the fact that... He's going after Ellen, who has nothing to do with the rest of the Brody clan. He should have just left her alone. He was really just going after the the fucking bitch uh, and her dad. You know, it, it's just really fucking annoying, and I, I hate that character, too. The fun factor in this movie, honestly, it's very entertaining. I consider this to be a so-bad-it's-good movie. Uh, so I would give the fun factor... All- you know, also a four out of five because it's just that ridiculous, and the scenes that are even more ridiculous are ex- very entertaining. Uh, when Jossie McJaws face is chasing Michael in the water and he busts through the thing, it's perfect. I love it. It's almost like you know watching a, a standard horror movie, but instead you're watching a giant fucking shark go after these guys. So what do I give this as an overall rating? Well, I would give it three uh impaled shark heads out of five it's not quite in the four to five area of it it's just kind of in the middle if you can get through some of the annoying things in the film you'll find a very enjoyable movie uh if you choose uh to go the other route and you can't stand anybody in this film then you're not going to enjoy it at all you just got to really take it with a grain of salt it's much better than jaws 3d jaws 3d is one of those films where it's kind of a chore to watch even when you're watching it for the first time where you just want to figure everything that's going out and of course the first one is a classic jaws is a you know fantastic fucking movie that if you've never seen it you need to take the time and just watch it and i would watch jaws too it's not as good as jaws but it's still a pretty good film uh and you know it does continue the story of brody even though he does get continued into three fucking movies i could have sworn he wasn't in it but after looking some things up yeah he's in the third one too so three brethren's killed all by the same fucking guy i guess i would be pissed too as a shark sibling uh so 
what is next? Now, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the next episode, when it releases, will be the day before our two-year anniversary. That's right. Season three will start off next episode. This is the end of season two. You've made it all the way through. We've done a lot more episodes. I appreciate everybody that has taken their time to listen to everything from the Death Note uh, film to Thanks Killing 3, which was a fucking chore. Uh, to Life Force, which I found that I actually liked a lot more than I thought I was going to, to the Stephen King month, to the sci-fi month, everything in between. So what are we doing to celebrate the second anniversary and start season three of the Terrible Terror podcast? Well, we're going to go back into the well. I kind of figure that each time I celebrate an anniversary, I'm going to go into a film that I actually like, not ironically, not because I think it's bad, uh, maybe because I want it to hold up and I want it to be better than it actually is. I don't know. Uh, But it's a film that's beloved by a lot of people within the horror community. And that film I'm talking about, of course, is this. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. What is it? This ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? Oh. I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh my God! It knows my secrets. <laughs> it knows my fears. Vacate. I want off this ship. You can't leave. She won't let you. That's right, we're going to be looking at the Paul W. Anderson classic, Event Horizon. And I have something special for you with that episode. I am going to be doing it with a guest. And it's a guest that I have been wanting to have back on this podcast for quite some time. 
and I'm glad that he had time out of his busy schedule to uh, spend some time with me uh, to record this episode. So I really had fun doing it, um, and I had a lot of fun doing it with our special guest, which we'll find out on the next episode. So that will begin Season 3. This is the end of Season 2. I hope you guys have enjoyed this season so far. Um, and, uh, you know, you can always rate, review, like, subscribe, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spreaker, and Blueberry, as well as follow me on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, I am very responsive to DMs, um, so you can message me things like, hey, you should be looking at this movie, just in case you have anything that I might be interested in seeing. There is one uh, that is Shark Exorcist, but I think I might be trying to do something um, interesting with that. I'm going to figure it out, and hopefully I can do something kind of cool uh, with that film. Maybe not necessarily a review, but we might try to do something special with it. Uh, the other thing is, is that I do want to announce this right now, um, and uh, we'll be... I can't believe I'm doing this again. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll let you know more of what it is and what we're going to do. Um, is I'm going to do the Halloween thing again. I'm going to do four movies. It's all going to tie into one theme this year. So there's going to be three different movies that's going to culminate in one final movie and how they all interact with each other. You will find out. I will only leave that hint right now. Uh, but it will start... Uh, after the event horizon episode um then there'll be four weeks of movies and hopefully i won't drive myself crazy in doing this but it should be pretty fun i'm looking forward to the films one of the films is going to be included by the 900th follower um that we had on twitter so uh and that one is going to be fun um and then uh, somebody uh, very close to me has suggested uh, the movie that will follow that movie. So you'll know what the next movie is. Uh, at the end of the Event Horizon episode, I want to leave it a secret. Uh, and then you'll hear what the other movies are later in the month, culminating in a movie that I had vowed never to see again. I always seem to say that fucking thing, and then I watch these fucking movies for this podcast. So, And I think it's a movie that some people honestly really like and i cannot fucking stand but there's one part of that movie i've always wanted to talk about and it will get its time on this fucking podcast you better fucking believe me so besides following me on twitter you can follow me on facebook you can follow me on instagram facebook.com slash the terrible terror podcast instagram.com at uh terrible terror podcast uh and i'm most active on twitter so if you ever need to get a hold of me you can get a hold of me there but i am responsive like i said to messages on all those platforms so thank you guys very much again for listening um I cannot tell you again how much I appreciate everybody that does, does listen. I know it might sound like a broken record after every episode, but it does mean a lot to me. We did hit the milestone of 10,000 downloads and listens uh, 
you know, combined. It's not 10,000 downloads and 10,000 listens. No, it's combined. But for me, for this little shitty thing that I do to have that many people interested in it makes me so happy. Uh, and I'm so glad that you guys decided to come back and listen every episode that I do. So really appreciate it. Uh, next time, watch Event Horizon. I hope you enjoy our special guests that we have on that episode. And we will see you then. Ciao. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.